Commander Cody, execute episode 66. Hello and welcome to another fantabulous episode of the OST Party. This is a movie soundtrack podcast where movie fans and music fans get together and have a rockin' good time talking about all your favorite movie soundtracks. Hi, my name is Joseph Wade. I'll be your host for this evening. Here with me tonight is my lovely and belligerent co-host, Libby Cutmore. Libby, happy Life Day. Happy Life Day, Joe. So I'm... I've I've got a present here from you. I thought I'd open it on the air. I thought yeah. I'd save it. Well, that's your perfect timing because I just got a present from you in the mail today, too. Oh, that's great. Okay, so who wants to open first? You know, uh, since I've got it right here in my hand, I'll, I'll just crack this one open now. All right. All right. Let's see here. Oh, my God. Jefferson Starship's Light the Sky on Fire. Libby, you shouldn't have. Do you like it? I love it. <laughs> well you know it's life day <laughs> it is life day thank you so much so, oh all right well let me open, open yours and see what you get oh, i can't wait oh it's a it's a box that plays jefferson starships light the sky on fire in a hologram oh joe thank you yeah, of course absolutely anything for a friend on life day <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I can't believe things synced up like that, because tonight on the Perfect. show, we are, in fact, discussing the Star Wars holiday special. So last year, uh, we teased on an episode that we would be recording our next episode on the Star Wars holiday special. And we did record it, except that uh, the universe or the force or Disney didn't want us to because all of our audio got lost somehow. Every last it- bit of it. Yes, it was sort of the second arrangement of the OST party. I think there was uh, something like six minutes of my audio was uh, was left. So we moved on and bravely recorded our Jingle All the Way episode. You're welcome. Mm-hmm. And but we're back. We're back. It's we're celebrating Life Day. Nothing is going to stop us, as Jefferson Starship once said. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop us now. Not this time. Not even the Empire. <laughs> uh. And you know, I think part of it last year was that Disney released their own like brand new animated Star Wars holiday special, and they didn't want anybody trying to let people know that there's another special out there that's not on Disney Plus. There's one true holiday special, and it is the Star Wars holiday special from 1978, aired once on CBS, and beloved ever since. <laughs> quote uh, so many scare quotes around beloved. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a special that has gone has run the gamut from like secret obsession for nerds like back in, in the era before the internet and then now now that everything is available and everybody knows about it all it's i kind of think it's getting reappraised as like a, a secretly pretty good even though pretty good is is again not really necessarily true but it's the only piece of Star Wars media that hasn't been tinkered with because it's owned by CBS. Exactly. So Disney actually cannot touch it. Not just Disney, but also George Lucas himself, Mm -hmm. who famously said, like, if he had the time and the resources, he would round up every copy and smash it with a hammer. 
He would basically Jay and Silent Bob it. Yeah. <laughs> Travel America and beat up every nerd who ever bought a bootleg at a convention. Uh, my friend Dave actually has a bootleg of it that he purchased at a convention. Mm. Well, he can expect a, a visit from me pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> so before we get started, um, we have a poll from last week. We... A rather contentious one. <laughs> we do, Yeah. So the poll from last episode, last time we talked about Mel Brooks movies. We had a blast talking about some of our favorite songs from Mel Brooks movies. And we asked you, we, we, we had to pick, we had to pare it down to four. It was tough. It was contentious, but we did it. We asked you which of these four was the best. And at 44%, the winner of that poll was Springtime for Hitler. Which is a lo- which is low for a winner. Springtime for Hitler like easily beat the other three, but the other three were neck and neck. Mm-hmm. Like uh, second place with twenty two percent was I'm so tired from Blazing Saddles, mm-hmm. and a, a sentiment that I can definitely get with now. Like December has ground me to a pulp. Yes. <laughs> uh, third place with seventeen and a half percent. It's the uh, Spaceballs theme by the Spinners. Mm-hmm. And then getting some respect. Finally, with sixteen percent was the uh, the Inquisition. We also remembered that we neglected to mention the Hitler rap from To Be or Not To Be, which if you have not listened to in a while, is delightful. We'll put that one out on Twitter later because we think y'all should check that one out because it's it's transgressive and hilarious and Mel Brooks in the best way. Yes, indeed. Now, uh, what's your experience with the Star Wars holiday special? I was enough of a Star Wars nerd that I had known about it for a long time. Like I read, I would read about it in Star Wars fan magazines and stuff. It's like this mythical thing that was out there that shouldn't exist, and most people haven't seen. And then it's you know once YouTube and the internet sort of sprung up, it finally appeared on YouTube. I could watch it for myself. So I've seen it uh, three or four times at this point. Lucky um, you. I know. Yeah. What about you, Libby? I uh, my first sort of knowledge of it, I think, probably came from the Star Wars character guide, which was basically my Bible growing oh, up. Oh, nice! I probably still have my copy somewhere. Uh, it was well worn, but I didn't see it until college, and I had uh, pitched to some of my friends. I was newly single. My uh, Star Wars loving ex, who I've talked about on this podcast before, we had broken up, and I, Ian, and I weren't dating yet. So I had about a two month period where I was more or less single. And I sort of made a joke with some of my guy friends, like, I will go on a date with whoever finds me a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Oh, no. So my friend Mike uh, walks up to me one afternoon, slaps a DVD in my hand, and says, I'm picking you up at eight. And he had found (laughs) and downloaded the Star Wars Holiday Special. We saw the film Sideways. He had to review it for the paper. And it really was kind of the, the start of a really, really lovely friendship. It was, I think, the first time we went out and... Yeah, we saw Sideways. It's one of our favorite films to this day. Um, wow, that's fantastic. The co- yeah, the copy was a little glitchy, and I know it froze during Princess Leia's big song. I finally sat down to watch it in full with Ian Smith of our Heavy Metal podcast. Mm-hmm. We watched the Riff Tracks version of it, which is available right now on YouTube for free. Oh, wow. So if you have to watch the Star Wars Holiday Special, you can watch it with our good friends Mike Nelson, Bill Corbett, and Kevin Murphy. And it includes the commercials. Oh, nice. So yeah. See, I the one that I rewatched for this tonight did not include the commercials. Oh. Uh, which is a bummer because, like, I remember the commercials and I was kind of excited for it. And then, like, nope, they just cut them out. Tobor is robot spelled backwards. Were you aware of that? Huh. You learn something yeah. new every day. I know. It's 
Fascinating. Fantastic. (laughs) So what can you tell us about the Star Wars holiday special? What's the history of this? Well, basically, yeah, this is the first Star Wars thing that cropped up after the the movie had come out in 77 and became this huge monster hit. And, you know, the late 70s was kind of the era of the big holiday, like TV holiday special. Like everybody did one. Everything had one. And the variety show. Yeah, the variety show. Kind of the format. Yeah, exactly. So you had different acts, different uh, performers, celebrity cameos. It was just, that's just kind of the thing that that people did back in the 70s. That and and cocaine. Well, yeah. I mean, cocaine led to so many holiday specials that should not exist, including this one. (laughs) But yeah, so the Star Wars holiday special is this fascinating beast where. It wasn't really produced by Lucasfilm. It was kind of, yeah, like you said, produced by uh, CBS and 20th Century Fox. And they hired a team of, of, of like comedy writers to put this thing together. And it's, I mean, it's basically Christmas at, at Chewbacca's house. It's like the yeah. shortest version of I can put it. <laughs> and all of the shenanigans and um daring do that that goes along with that in a star wars special that also takes place on a holiday in this case life day which is like the star wars made up version of christmas i guess yeah it's some sort of generic non-religious holiday which is celebrated uh november 17th uh which is the day that it premiered in 1978 and was never shown again so people celebrate this now, like November 17th is Life Day, kind of like how March 10th is suddenly Mario's birthday. Huh. Is that how we're doing and this now? Yeah, I guess. Um, that sucks just and I so hate it. we're clear, the OST party's position is that there is one Mario and it is Bob Hoskins. Yes. There is one Star Wars Day and it's May 25th. Yes. Sorry, Mark Hamill. I know you really like doing the May the 4th jokes, but yeah. this is it... our show now, buddy. <laughs> Look into your heart. You know it's not true. Okay, well, real quick, this is just a little bit of billboarding school for you. Uh, Jefferson Starship's Light the Sky on Fire, which we'll be talking about shortly here, hit the billboard charts, peaked at number 66 on, let's see, December 23rd, 1978. So Christmas week, basically. (laughs) This was when this peaked. Yes. (laughs) Thank you, Star Wars holiday special. Let's celebrate Christmas with Jefferson Starship. Oh, of course. Uh, So the number one song, we're going to do songs this time. The number one song that week was La Freak by the band Chic. Nice. Which pretty it's a good. Great song. Pretty good. I'm just gonna go not ahead Not Christmassy. Not Christmassy whatsoever. But I'm just gonna go ahead and do the to the top five here. Uh number two was Too Much Heaven by the Bee Gees. Number three was You Don't Bring Me Flowers by Barbara Streisand and Neil Diamond. Number four, Libby, your favorite, My Life by Billy Joel. Oh Christ. <laughs> number five was I Love the Nightlife by Alicia Bridges. Oh, like this is the most 70s thing I've ever heard in my life. This is peak disco right here. This is peak 70s. Just like all of it. The, the soft AM rock, the disco, the ugh, just gross singer-songwriter. <laughs> oh, another one of your favorites is, is Climbing the Charts at number 20 this week. It's the Eagles, Please Come Home for Christmas. Which I actually do. I do like that version. There's your, uh, there's your Christmas song right there. Great. <laughs> Top Christmas song on the charts. So, yeah, that's... Sounds that's, like it was a white Christmas indeed. Good Lord. Well, now, unfortunately, we have to talk about the Star Wars holiday special. We've had our fun. There you go. We've had our shenanigans. Now, this does not open with the uh, traditional scroll, uh, but rather Han and 
Chewie are being chased in the Millennium Falcon by some stock footage from the first movie. <laughs> yeah. And he's swearing he's going to get Chewie home for Life Day. They haven't missed a Life Day yet. Um, I feel like if I was hosting a talk show, I would make Harrison Ford talk about this all the time. <laughs> life Day. He gives a really, like, he gives it his all. God bless him. But yeah, like, and I, if any, if my, if I have any one complaint, it's that more of the special wasn't about this, like these yeah. two, you know. So, but uh, yeah, because the whole thing, as we will see, uh, about the first twenty minutes are entirely in Wookie with no subtitles. Yeah, because we, we're introduced to to Chewbacca's family: his wife Mala, his father Itchy, and his son Lumpy. Yes, and I just want to say that as a grown adult. Itchy continues to make me uncomfortable. Is like, is that is he supposed to make you uncomfortable? They tried to cross the streams of like Wookie, but also old man, and it just it's 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 unsightly. It's awful. It's awful. It's I mean, Lumpy's kind of cute. It's it's a Wookie with bitter beer face, is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) He has no teeth, and it's like ah. He just he grosses me out. It's yeah, it's not great. And then what, so what, disgusting. what we see him, what he's doing later in the in the special, doesn't make it better. It makes it worse. No, it makes it worse. Now, this is sort of how the segments are bookended. So we'll have a little bit of uh, the family, and they go into these different variety show segments. Right. First, we see Lumpy watching a very upsetting circus hallucination or hologram. I'm not sure which. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's drugs. Who knows? I wrote in my notes for this segment that uh, Lucasfilm has successfully tricked us into watching a circus act on TV. Yeah, that jerk. That jerk. And now people pay a bunch of money to see that at Cirque du Soleil when you could just pull up YouTube and watch the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's a lot weirder and a lot more entertaining. Actually, no, Cirque du Soleil is perfectly fine. (laughs) (laughs) But Mala, realizing Chewbacca is at home, decides to bring in our second cameo where she calls up uh, Luke Skywalker and R2-D2. Yeah. Hello, Mala. Did you? Hiya, Lumpy. Where's Chewbacca? (laughs) Whoa, 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 wait a minute. One at a time. Mark Hamill looks like he's been through one of those Instagram filters that all the teen girls use. He's wearing a lot of makeup, I guess is what we're saying. He's been yassified. He looks like his own stunt double. Yeah. It doesn't quite look like him. He sort of looks more like Dorothy Hamill. (laughs) <laughs> he's wearing a lot of mascara he's very pretty but he tells Mala to smile and that Han and Chewie will be home his contractual obligation fulfilled the screen goes blank Luke tells Mala that like he says I know Chewie he wouldn't he's never missed a life day yet and I, my first thought was you've known this this Wookiee for about a week how did you know <laughs> that's fair because this does take place uh, shortly after a new hope. Yes. So, and also he's seen a lot of his friends die. So, I mean, between Obi-Wan and Biggs and Porkins. Luke is, is weirdly chipper for the state that he's in when we see yes. him here. Again, cocaine. It's a hell of a drug. <laughs> the next celebrity cameo we get, one of the actual major characters in this is a shopkeeper played by Art Carney. Yes, did you get his name? I did not. Well, that's because you didn't have the Star Wars character guide. It's Sondan. 
San Don. Yes. Okay. And apparently he's in one of the games and he is equally upsetting in that in his sort of weird 3D rendering. Well, I... Don't look it up. It will upset you. I just noted that Art Carney served in the army and fought at the Battle of Normandy and now he's talking to a bunch of Muppets. (laughs) There are two World War II veterans in this film. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. This is how we treat them. Remember that, everybody. There are Emmy winners in this film. But Art Carney's whole deal is that he's, you know, he's sympathetic to the rebellion and the Empire is trying to hunt down Chewbacca. So they go to, like, I guess Chewbacca's favorite store. He's not there. They go to Chewbacca's house. He's not there. And Art Carney is trying to sort of keep the peace between Chewbacca's family and the Empire. Yes, he's trying to protect them. And God bless Art Carney. He just gives it his all. He really throws himself into this. He really does. Like he he definitely sort of plays around in the space. Like he's having a good time here. Yeah. Thanks Art Carney for the laughs for everything. Uh we also get a brief uh one of three appearances by uh our friend uh Harvey Corman. Yeah. Previously of Blazing Saddles. Mel Brooks's own Harvey Corman. <laughs> yes. Uh he does space drag uh doing like a Julia Child sort of thing for mala his recipe consists of a bantha loin with some spices and some water or liquid whatever stirred in a bucket not just stirred and whipped and and beaten yes because he's got multiple arms and not over an open flame it's just raw meat with some water and a couple spices we add a dash of legamo very good Sprig of celery. Mmm, very nice. Just a bit of tertium. Always nice. And, uh, mmm. Tertium is nice. And just a little whisper of chelto. Oh, it's looking very nice. Serve it at your holiday party. It's as upsetting as we're telling you, and it's not funny, and it's very bad. Every segment in this special. You get about two minutes in and you realize they're still going and you start asking yourself, we're really doing this, huh? Yeah. We're really committing to this. They Every single one of them commits to the bit. Yes. You got to give them that. But they also, earned those paychecks. Yeah. They Oh, they totally earned the paychecks. But also at a certain point, it occurs to you that this is a two hour special and they have lots of time that they have to fill. And not as much stock footage as you would think. Yeah, not really. They they really vamped and, and spun some gold out of this? I don't know. They I won't, blue I won't... milked it for all it was worth. <laughs> Very good. This is definitely not the last we'll see a Harvey Corman, though. No, unfortunately. <laughs> but then Santa Claus, a.k.a. Art Carney, who I'm not calling Sean Don. Art Carney. Uh, <laughs> Space Art Carney. Space Art. Um, he... Brings presents for everybody. Hooray. Um, Lumpy gets a little like computer box gadget. Uh, I don't think they show really what Mala gets, but then Itchy gets. Oh, boy. We have to talk about this now. Itchy gets what I wrote down as a digital fantasy video by Dion Carroll, who is definitely part of a space porn device. Yes. Let's go to a clip of her song. It's the first song, and it's called This Minute Now. Sweet this minute. Can we repeat and repeat this minute? Why can't 
This would be a great song to open like a James Bond movie. Yes. Not in a Star Wars special of any kind. No. Doesn't belong in Star Wars at all. Yes, and uh, this was originally written for Cher. Oh wow. And uh, she had to back out. Uh, she'd had some surgery, which I know is, is very rare for Cher. <laughs> Quote, but, unquote, um, had surgery. Surgery. Um, little nip, little tuck. And had to pull out, so they got uh, down Carol. Now, th- for this song, very quickly, her voice is is beautiful. And she was a Tony Award winner. Um, but there's so many synthesizers. Oh, yeah, they just overload you with synth sounds on this. There's too much, and you completely end up losing what is a fairly serviceable little jazz number. Yeah, that's a fine, it's a perfectly fine song. Yeah, it's it, it's quite beautiful. The lyrics are, are lovely, and they just dial the 70s up on it, like, really hard. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know who I, who I bet could have some fun with this song? Who's that? The Propeller Heads. Ooh. Imagine a remix of this. With the propeller heads. Because they would know how to balance the electronic elements against the jazz elements. Yeah, and I'm sure they could find a way to set this to like some really obscure piece of John Williams music, put a dance beat behind it, make it a yeah. hit, you know? That's what, it's it's what she deserves. Um now, couple things about Dion Carroll. She, this this bit, and we'll get to the horror of it first but I, I want to lay down why she's so important before we wreck it sure um she was the first person of color to appear in the star wars universe yes yes she, she was dates lando by two years um and that's i mean that's pretty goddamn spectacular oh yeah I, she won a tony award for no strings in 1962 uh, in 1968, she won a Golden Globe for her show, Julia, which was the first TV show to sh- to star an African-American woman not playing a maid. That's so, incredible. Yeah. Yes. Um, she was nominated for an Oscar for the film Claudine alongside James Earl Jones, who only voices Darth Vader, so doesn't technically appear as a person of color. True. In the Star Wars True. universe. Um, James Will Jones, by the way, who who did also like record new lines for this special. Yes. Um, Present and accounted and, for. But yes, only very, very briefly in the beginning. Um, she was nominated for an Emmy five times. She hosted her own variety show. And then there's this. Why don't you talk about this part? Like I said, it's sort of couched as... Chewie's dad puts on this virtual reality device. Art Carney plugs uh, like a little flash card into it with Dion Carroll as a. Uh, I'm not even sure how to describe her, but she, I mean, it's it's basically She's his fantasy. It's his fantasy. She she literally says like I am your fantasy, and talks about how like I I know you find me attractive. I've always thought you were adorable. And then Itchy rewinds that and plays that little clip. I think you're, I've always thought you were adorable. Over and over and over. While grunting. Yes, yes. There's lots of grunting going on here. And it's very uncomfortable. And she talks about like her essence and how he brought her into being. And it is technically 
the first sex scene to appear in a Star Wars movie. <laughs> and and to date also only then this is this is the sexiest thing that has ever appeared in a star wars movie hands down yes mm-hmm. so really star wars holiday special groundbreaking george lucas would not have allowed this into a star wars movie <laughs> he was too busy counting money to even pay attention to this exactly yeah but so. this yes yeah, so she she launches into the song and it's you know it's a one it's actually a wonderful little number it's it's very very stagey, very produced. It's got those weird sort of backdrops of like crystal designs, and I guess she's supposed to be underwater. It, yeah, <laughs> it's very note. like kaleidoscopic and weird, and I'm not sure where she's supposed to be. She's in the cosmos, I guess. Yeah, very trippy. Very trippy, and then it constantly keeps cutting back to Itchy, and he's just like writhing in that chair, <laughs> and it's the worst image. I swear. <laughs> yes, again, it's 1978. You're in your R2-D2 pajamas, and you're so excited, and you're at your grandparents' house, and you're going to watch the Star Wars holiday special in their rec room, and there's wood paneling everywhere, and you're watching this, this scene, where a Wookiee essentially masturbates with your parents and your grandparents on their big old wooden TV with the knobs. This is the scene where, where mom sends you out of the room to go get some more cookies or something. Yes. Because this is happening. This is Wookie happening. Is masturbating. You can't stop what's happening. But the song is perfectly it's perfectly fine. I like the song, if, actually. Yeah. If they had dialed down the synths. Dialed down the synths. A lot of the synthesizer stuff in the special itself, it all, it all kind of sounds like somebody got their first like Moog uh, <laughs> keyboard, and they're just learning how to use it. It's, yeah, it's lumpy. That's what Art Carney brought him. It's, yeah, exactly. Mooging it out. He's mooging it out. Uh, so we're Ugh. so we we move on from that spectacle. Please, let's never speak of this again. And and now Mala has contacted Princess Leia in C three PO, and yes. Carrie Fisher could not look more bored by the fact that she's in this special. She's so bored, but she's wearing less makeup than Luke. That's true. It's true. I mean, and that's like they pulled her off the street, put her in the dress, and said, "Here, you're on TV." Yep. Uh, Anthony Daniels, of course, gives it his all. Tries his best. Uh, he goes so hard. And Leia also gives her the brush off like, nah, Han and Chewie will be fine. See you later. <laughs> Happy life day. I have made the connection. You may speak now if you wish. Mala, it's so good to see you. Happy life day. She says it may be a happy life day for you, but personally, she's seen happier ones. I don't want to tie up the channels. No one is really listening to Mala, which is upset, except Art Carney. He's the only one, like, working hard to protect this family. But then Art Carney shows up on screen to assure Leia that, like, everything is under control. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I just I just wish Art Carney would, would step into my life and tell me everything's going to be okay. Aww. But he also asked Mala for some Wookiee-ookies, which are another thing that I believe do exist now. There is a Star Wars cookbook. There's actually a couple of them that you can buy. And they do have a recipe for Wookiee cookies. Of course they do. And it's actually a pretty cool gift for the Star Wars fan in your life. Um, It's very basic recipes, a lot of puns, but they do action figure photography. Uh, oh, nice. To showcase the um, the recipes. And they're actually the action figures that would have come out when 
we were seeing Star Wars, so sort of the reissue when the when it came back into theaters. Oh, so the old, okay. Like I don't want to say old school because they're not like the original, you know, three points of articulation Kenner figures, but the the later ones, like the yeah, the, the really meticulously kind of sculpted ones from the nineties. Yeah, which actually uh, we have a couple of them on our Christmas tree. Oh, nice. We've we've uh, sort of made some of our old Star Wars figures into Christmas ornaments. We've got a couple stormtroopers. And we've got uh, an Obi-Wan Kenobi, my husband. That's cool. That's really Mm -hmm. cool. But then that made me think, because I was trying to do anything but think of Itchy. Yeah. What are the, I guess, rules isn't the right word, but how does cross-species dining work? Yeah, that's true, because what is palatable and edible for a Wookiee is not necessarily what's edible for a human. Yeah, so like, what is it about Wookiee Wookies that Art Carney can eat? I mean, he lives among the Wookies, so his his palate would have had to have adapted somehow. He's gone native at this point, yeah. Yes, but and- <laughs> I just like, I don't think he could eat that raw bantha. Like, I do not think his gastrointestinal tract would hold up for that. Not to mention the fact that like you're transporting bantha meat, you know, a- across planetary lines. You know, banthas come from Tatooine, as far as I know. So, uh, hmm. it's it, it. How old is that meat, really? Good, good point. <laughs> and what is the supply chain like? I mean, are there bantha farms? Now that's a good question. And and Kashyyyk, or as this special refers to it, Kazook. I'm sure <laughs> they've got some bantha fields somewhere. So maybe they don't have to, you know, get it from from the outer rim, as it were. Is this locally sourced bantha? Is this local? <laughs> is this gluten free? Think intergalactic, but act galactic. I don't know. <laughs> God. Space hippies would be the goddamn worst, and you know it. God. Oh, Christ. <laughs> I don't want to think about it. But no, unfortunately, all this fun and wookie-wookie consuming and porn watching is ruined, of course, by stormtroopers. Uh, of course. Those dicks. Those damn stormtroopers. Because they know that they're, because they're after Chewbacca. They know that Chewbacca's family lives here. So, they're of course, they're going to storm Chewbacca's house and wait for him to come home. Yes. And the only way to distract them is by playing Jefferson Starship. Hey, have you seen one of these newfangled computers that can show you a video of rock bands playing songs? It's like the 70s version of YouTube. <laughs> Let's go to a clip. Now, this song, as we said, this was the only single released from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Thank everything God. else, yes, everything else in here was never released on vinyl. It was never released on an album. This appeared on their uh, album Gold, which was a singles collection. So this, for all intents and purposes, was like was like the the promotional, like the, the, they're getting the band on the show to promote their new album or song. Yes, and this was released as a promotional 45, which uh, I found at Music and More in Utica in the sleeve that says, as featured in the Star Wars Holiday Special. That's fantastic. And Joe, I believe you have a copy as well. I I do have a copy right now. I'm literally looking at it right now. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) 
so a little background of this song. Yes, please. A lot of background, actually. This it's so it's so many of the little like touches in this film are surprisingly important when it comes to culture and pop music. Mm-hmm. So, in June of 1978, Jefferson Starship was playing a show in Germany. And Grace Slick, singer, uh, was so drunk she wouldn't come out of her dressing room. And it was raining and shit was just going down and they couldn't perform. And the fans were not happy about this. And they rioted. They lit the stage on fire. They smashed the drum kit with an axe and stole a bunch of the instruments, including Pete Sears' dragon bass. Now, the dragon, he'd only had it for three months. Uh, It was built by master guitar makers Doug Irwin and Tom Lieber. It's made of uh, cocobolo and bird's eye maple, same as Jerry Garcia's tiger guitar. Uh, He hadn't yet played it live and was likely about to debut it at this festival. And it disappeared. More on that in a moment. Okay. So following this, the next night, Grace Slick started taunting the German audience with, like, who won the war and calling them all Nazis. They did not like that. And she was asked to resign from the band, which she did. Um, That left Marty Bolin to fill the lead singer role. They recorded this single, but by the time this premiered in November, he had left the band himself. So this is the last appearance of Marty Bolin with Jefferson Starship. He was one of the founding members. Wow. And his last appearance is in the Star Wars holiday special. Yes. He he actually reunited with the band in 1993. I don't think this single was what did it, but we'll never know. Because uh, unfortunately, he died in 2016, so we'll never get to ask him. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Now, I actually have a little bit of a connection to this story. Oh, really? Yes. Ooh, tell me. So... Um, the base stayed missing until May 2013, when a German musician named Klaus Wilm responded to a post that Tom Lieber had made in 2009 on a Grateful Dead message board asking if anybody had seen it. Um, he had the base, and it had been, at one time, uh, used by the basis for Golden Earring. Wow. They got the bass back to Pete Sears, and he sent it to Tom to repair it. Now, Tom Lieber lives in Fly Creek, New York. He still builds guitars. Uh, and he was interviewed about this by yours truly for the hometown Oneonta and all at Sego. So I got to talk to him about the Dragon Bass. That's, That's my very sort of tenuous connection to Jefferson Starship. Yeah, Tom was a pretty cool guy. He's built some amazing instruments. Um they were filming a documentary on him uh, restoring this bass. So I didn't actually get to see the bass. I did see it years later. It was on loan to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And when the Herb Ritz exhibit came through the Fenimore Art Museum, they had that on display. So I have seen it a couple of years later. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. So that's, yeah, it's kind of exciting. But. Yeah, just when you think about that this song was the last appearance, it's kind of, uh, again, kind of fascinating in pop music history. Yeah. So, now, this song itself, 
It's fucking terrible. I I like <laughs> I, the the lyrics are whatever. The I, I like the melody of it. Other everything else is really just dumb seventies butt rock. <laughs> it's yeah. It's got like the twinge of psychedelia. Uh, it is tremendously stupid. It's also the best song in the film. Yeah. It's really catchy. It yeah, it is. <laughs> and it's the only one that is sort of balanced. And again, like if they strip the synths from uh, this moment, that would probably win. Mm-hmm. But this one, it's unfortunately, it's really, really, really catchy. And it's also endless. It really does go on forever. It really does. It's an extended performance. It's a 12-inch remix. I played this a couple years ago on Record Saturday. Uh, it was an Evil Libby pick for Christmas. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, was very, I, play, I paid $1.25 for this. It was probably one of my best finds. You paid either too much or not enough. <laughs> I don't know which. <laughs> Any other thoughts on light the sky on fire? Like I, I love the like actual production of the video itself, where it's just the band playing on just kind of a, a regular stage with a light at the bottom, and everything is sort of overexposed, so everything looks like a lightsaber, kind of like the the, well, the, 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 the microphone. lightsaber or dildo. Well, yeah, but this is Star Wars, so it's lightsaber. Otherwise, it's yes, a rocket it, ship. It, in every other instance, yes, it's a dildo, but right here, it's a lightsaber. It really does look like he's singing into a pink dildo. It's shining and glowing. And and the note that I wrote was, this man is going to burn his fucking face off. (laughs) Yes. So much neon. And I don't know what it means to light this guy on fire. I don't. Yeah, that's not something you you want to do. Or take. I mean, I think, you know, we're definitely we're really trying our best right now to heat up the atmosphere. So thanks. Is that what Jeff? Jeff Bezos is trying to do is he trying to fulfill his destiny of lighting the sky on fire and going higher than the diamonds in the sky? Apparently, yeah. Like, dick. and he he's flying around in a dildo rocket. Yeah, he's sending all of his fa- his famous buddies up in a dildo rocket. Apparently, Michael Strahan just went up again. <sighs> he's. I think that's it. I think we've cracked it. He heard this song this... in 1978, sitting there watching the Star Wars holiday special, and he thought, "One day, I'm going to light the sky on fire." I'm going to fill it with carbon dioxide. I'm going to burn the planet. And then I'm going to go live in a hut on Kashyyyk. Step one, digital bookstore. (laughs) Step two, question mark. Step three, light the sky on fire. (laughs) Solved a mystery here tonight, folks. Oh, man. I love it. (laughs) The song is about as long as his inner, his, uh, little space flight. Yeah, basically this, this, this song is a roller coaster, ride. (laughs) (laughs) But then, Everybody's favorite part of the special happens as Lumpy watches a Star Wars space cartoon. Now, is this the Mandalorian? This is the Mandalorian. Yes. Okay. Like it, it, there's really no other way to say it. This is this is exactly it. Yeah, this is. I and everyone's like, it's the first appearance of Boba Fett. This cartoon is bad. It's not great. It like, is like watching somebody else hallucinate. It is. Like <laughs> everyone is on mushrooms. Everything is melting. Like if I watched a star, a normal Star Wars cartoon, and then had a bad dream about it, this is what that bad dream would look like. Salvador Dali's Star Wars. Oh, I'd pay so much money for that. <laughs> but no, like the, the Mandalorian stole so much from this little short, and then everybody was like, "Oh, the short, it's it's good actually." Like it's the only part of this special that has a, that has ever shown up on Disney Plus. 
is just yeah. that short, which is insane to me. Yeah, it was a DVD uh, special feature. Yep. Yep. At one point, and then you moved over to Disney Plus. Uh, it is called the Faithful Wookie, I believe. Yeah. Or the Wookie that wouldn't slow down. I don't know. One of the two. <laughs> it, come on, I, it's called Boba Fett rides a dinosaur. Let's be real. Yes, it's again. I if if a Star Wars fan will write in and explain why they all love this so much. My ex loved this short. I'm like, why? It's very bad. I mean, just purely for the sake of like, okay, they introduced Boba Fett. That's fine. And I I don't know what's good about this. Like they land on a gravy planet and then Boba Fett rides a dinosaur and he's part of Luke's spaceship. And then they find a rock that's supposed to like save Han Solo because he got poisoned by space goop. And like, what's going on here? <laughs> Hold on. I'm still laughing about gravy planet. It is a gravy planet. <laughs> I mean, they they go to a breakfast planet, Luke lands in gravy, and then Boba Fett rides a, a purple dinosaur. I and I, as I mean, I am a longtime Star Wars fan. Yeah. And I still don't understand the appeal of Boba Fett. He sucks. He's the it's worst. just like I get he's sort of a generic badass, and I do not understand him. I do not understand why people like get all wet. Over Boba Fett. I'm a poet. I didn't even know it. God damn. Yeah. I've never <laughs> understood the appeal of Boba no, Fett. I mean, even Especially when you got Han Solo right there. Like, Han Solo is a badass and he's hot. Exactly. But even in his first appearance in this, like, he's he's a villain. He's a dickhead. He deceives people. And he he beats up on his, his pet dinosaur. What about that do people think is cool? I don't know. I don't know. Animal so, abuse is no joke. No. So the the fact that he's he's constantly like aligning himself with the worst people in the universe and you know that I, I don't know. I I don't prescribe to this notion that we have to like re- rehabilitate Boba Fett's image because no, he is always sucked. And then they somehow made him worse in the prequels when you find out that he's a clone of his dad, Steve Fett. Yeah. Oh, no. he's his name. Oh, so he's actually just a sad kid who's mad that his daddy got killed. Well, okay, that's fine, but that doesn't change what we already know about him. Yes. So, but we move on from <laughs> Ralph Bakshi's Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, the Stormtroopers trash Lumpy's room. There's one thing in this special that stirs genuine emotion from me, it's this. I feel really bad for him. They rip up his toys, and it's like, he didn't do anything. He's just a child. Yeah, like it, it's literally soldiers being mean to a child, and it's just... Yeah, it's just, it's congratulations. Gen- it's genuinely upsetting. Yeah, it makes me really sad when, it, like, the head's ripped off his toy, and he's crying. You're just like, this poor baby, I want to buy him a toy. Yeah. So there's another short Harvey Corman skit. It's just too stupid to even talk about. Where yeah. he sets up his mini moog or whatever he's got. Also, Harvey Corman is a robot in this segment, and this, the jokes are Harvey Corman's a robot, and we we <sighs> messed with the footage so he looks like a robot. Yeah, <sighs> and he malfunctions, and it's really it's upsetting. It's so it's not a joke. It's not funny. They just had to fill time <laughs> because they had two hours. They were starting to grind their teeth. Had two hours, and we didn't sell nearly enough commercial ads for this. Oh, so, boy. but then we get to our next song. Yeah, because then it cuts to this 
like it's like a travel log, I guess, of life on Tatooine, and it takes us to the most Eisley Cantina, a thing we actually know from the movie. Yes. Now I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, because we go, we see uh, Figrin Dan. Yep. And the model notes mm-hmm. playing the Cantina theme. Um, is Figrin Dan Boos? <laughs> oh, uh, Space Boos. Space Boos. Okay, I'll accept that. It's much better than what that music is actually called, which is jizz. I'm not making that up. It's, yeah, the music is called jizz, and the people who play it are called jizz whalers. <laughs> I think that's why itchy is. <laughs> and why don't you talk about this segment? Because you sent me a very, very funny message about this. <laughs> yeah, I was watching this segment, and it occurred to me something may be like wrong with me right now. Maybe the holidays are, are just beating me to a pulp. I don't know. This segment genuinely like tugged at my heartstrings and made me feel something. <laughs> and I feel weird saying that <laughs> because well, what's, well, what's happening here. So we are in the Mos Eisley Cantina, the bartender. A wretched hive of scum and villainy, as you may recall from the film. As, uh, uh, absolutely. Uh, we must be cautious, but the bartender is played by none other than B. Arthur. And World War II veteran B. Arthur. Yes, absolutely. She served in the women's reserves. And a man enters the bar to woo his bartender. And it's, it's once again Harvey Corman. We can't get away from this man. And he's he's hitting on B. Arthur and, and telling her that, you know, he says, you'll change your mind. I just know you will. Six simple little words. I can wait forever to hear it again because I know. Come back soon. I'll be waiting. Which is something that every bartender says to literally every person. Yes. And it's really uncomfortable. This, this is filled with so many awkward and uncomfortable moments. Like watching this made me actually scared for her because he's like going behind the bar. He's grabbing her hand and he's like, you know, I could see it. Like we're meant to be together. I'm just like, I, somebody needs to call the bouncer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A space bouncer, please. Yes. But you know, she knows how to handle drunk people like this. Like she gives him his drink and then he pours the drink in the top of his head because he's a space alien. (laughs) (laughs) Get it. Mike Nelson has the best take on this, which is it's not every day you see the stupidest thing ever. (laughs) It's true really stupid it really is it's the dumbest thing in the world but then what happens is the empire comes on the big tv screen and puts tatooine under curfew because the empire is evil and a bunch of meanie pants (laughs) so b arthur has to close down the cantina and before she does you know it's the last call at the cantina and she gets the the cantina band to play their song again and she sings good night but not goodbye Let's go to a clip. Just one more round, friend. Then homeward bound, friend. Don't forget me in your dreams. Just one more song, friend. And then so long, friend. The nights get shorter, it seems. Just one more round. If you recognize it, it's because it's set to the most likely Cantina theme, because only Dion Carroll and Jefferson Starship understood the assignment. Yep. Hey, uh, the Cantina band theme, that song has a name. Do you happen to know what that is? I do not. It's called Mad About Me. 
That is the most boost thing I've ever heard. It is. Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up. Pick it up, pick it up. It, it, it sounds like a Paul Reiser show. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was bad. That was yeah. bad. But That's yeah, this the song is genuinely kind of sad. It's a sad song. Uh. It's a sad song about the fact that, like, you know, the the occupying army is is forcing us to close down. Will we be back? I don't know. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, really, it's space as time goes by. It, it is. It's... No, it isn't. It's a stupid song set to the most Leslie <laughs> Cantina theme. It's literally the dumbest thing that's ever happened. I know, but like, I guess I just got caught up in like the context of the scene. Like, man, fascism really is a bitch, isn't it? Uh, we 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 really are living through hellish times right now to where i have i watch the star wars holiday special and i feel something (laughs) that's dark my friend but not untrue um i see i have a different theory on this okay because she says the word friend Mm -hmm. approximately 900 times (laughs) that's true that's true she says it like Thank you for like, or she has a line. She says the word friend back to back. Friend, friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that somewhere somebody got an idea for a TV theme. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a con- Yeah. Hey, that's, and you know, she's thanking her patrons for come into the bar and some of them are, are rather friendly i get it yeah yeah th- thank it. you for being a friend is essentially the theme <laughs> of this song um she dances with panda baba mm-hmm. who seems to have both his arms and greedo who is suspiciously not dead yeah she calls him something else she doesn't call him greedo his name is Greedo. His name is Greedo. It's the Greedo mask, but like she, she <laughs> actually like calls him it by a different name. I know they could have at least put a different vest on him, so it's like it's not Greedo. Really? Yeah. Like I know all <laughs> all those guys look the same, but come on. Yeah. The other thing um, that I that occurred to me watching this scene was like, if you're a fan of Star Wars, like if, imagine being in 1977, seeing Star Wars for the first time, loving it like we all do, and then the the Cantina scene, like you want to see more of that. You want to see more of the aliens and stuff. This is like your first chance to really do that, to see like and the it's... full cantina and more aliens. And mostly they just give you, you know, the costumes and the masks that they already had. And then like the one extra like new alien, it's like a gigantic hamster puppet that, yes. that B. Arthur sings to. And it's very strange. It appears to be caught in a glue trap. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't really seem like it can get in or out. I'm... You don't have to go home, but you can't stay in that wall. <laughs> and before she launches into this song, they really kind of harass her to the point where one of them like holds her up with a gun because they don't want to go home. Yeah. And I'm really not sure whose side I'm on. Like, I want to protect B. Arthur at all costs. She's a national treasure. But I feel like a lot of these people probably wouldn't put on masks. <laughs> Oh, probably not. No, this is a bike. This is one hundred percent a biker bar. Yeah, I have a feeling there's a lot of COVID swimming around in there. Space COVID. So I'm not sure whose side I'm on here, <laughs> but I guess probably protecting B. Arthur. It's like, guys, she told you to go home. Don't be a dick. Yeah, it's not her fault. Um, but and they eventually do stagger out into the night, except for one. One lonely gentleman. 
one lonely Harvey Corman. Yes. And I am actually afraid for her. Uh. <laughs> I am filled with such a soul crushing dread. And I don't like that because I don't I don't think that's the intention. No, I don't. I, it's, I know it's supposed to be sweet and, and, and charming and innocent, but it does not come across that way. No, it feels very uncomfortable. I'm like, is he going to murder her? Is he going to wear her skin as a suit? <laughs> very, no, very he's trying, but he's trying to woo her, which incidentally is the name of the cantina uh, bartender in the first movie. <laughs> God, we're a bunch of nerds here tonight. I love it. <laughs> but I'm... Um... Han and Chewie make it back. Art Carney probably burned a stormtrooper. Um, Seems definitely like, yeah. torched that stormtrooper's body. Um, and then Han's like, "Have a good life, Day Pie." But but not before giving his friend Chewbacca a very tender, very friendly hug uh, yeah. as they de- as they depart. It's very sweet. <laughs> it is, and again, Harrison Ford really really shows up for this yeah and it's it's you honestly know. really nice to see like him interact with chewbacca's family like he picks up uh lumpy and gives him to his dad and oh it's just so nice it's just so sweet yeah there's a genuine affection there there uh when did peter mayhew pass actually yeah peter mayhew died just uh, in 2019 not long ago yeah and i i remember harrison ford i uh, wrote some really touching words about him he yeah he was a he was a gentle giant by all accounts. Yes. Now it appears Life Day is celebrated by holding crystals and uh, then getting a red robe and walking into the light. <laughs> it, this is a this is a cult the Wookies are a part of apparently. Yes. Now apparently it has something to do with the Tree of Life. Yeah. Wow. Which which uh. is you know now that, that's a Disney thing at the, at the Disney theme parks so. I wouldn't be surprised to see them celebrate Life Day at the Animal Kingdom Park anytime soon. I believe they actually do have Life Day celebrations, and I'm honestly surprised you haven't gone to one. Are you Are you kidding me? Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah. That's that's depressing. I don't know if they have a if it's a fan thing, like fans gather there. If there's official proceedings, but oh, okay, um, yeah. See, that's that sounds more like a fan thing. I don't think Disney would actually like condone and support that. <laughs> Not because um, not because they do, they don't want Star Wars fans in the parks, but just because I think it's probably in their best interest that they not acknowledge the, the holiday special exists. <laughs> now, um, what I found very interesting about Life Day was that it was merely a Wookiee holiday, but following the fall of the Empire, so in another couple of years, um, it will be celebrated across the galaxy. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah, so it's it's open to all. Um. Unfortunately, it also brings us to our last song. Yes, and also maybe the worst song. Oh, that's that's tough. It's it's it's, really tough. It's tough when like every song in this thing is in a race for the worst song. But yeah, because everybody gathers for Life Day, and then Princess Leia gives a speech about how we must celebrate Life Day in order to to combat the forces of darkness. And then she sings the song A Day to Celebrate. Oh, it has a title. It has a title. It's called A Day to Celebrate. Okay. It is sung to the Star Wars main theme. Let's listen, shall we?
There's something about this that is both iconic and depressing. <laughs> like, I feel like this should have launched a thousand drag reviews. It certainly could have, yeah. Yes, because it's so terrible that it it borders on camp. Yeah, and it's... I think if she had merely sung a regular song, it would have just been terrible. But it's that it's set to the Star Wars mm-hmm. theme, I think, is what pushes it over the line to camp. It's sort of like the Nick the Lounge Singer skit with Bill Murray. It really is. That's, that's kind of where this comes from. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so weird to like to hear her sing the song and then like the 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 flute come in to play the Star Wars theme. Like, what am I listening to right yeah, now? What is happening right now? Am I dying? And 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 uh, Carrie Fisher's singing this song, and they keep cutting back to like extreme close-ups of every single cast member: Chewbacca, yes. uh, Han, Luke, R two, and three PO. Like, it's it's uncomfortable. It's and she has kind of a lovely voice, although she's straining to hit some of those notes. Um, it's part. It's part. Partly that. Partly also, I think like. You could tell she's thinking, I have to sing this shit, really. Yes. And she very famously uh, requested a copy of the Star Wars Holiday Special from George Lucas in exchange for doing the DVD commentary. And in one of her books, she mentions that she would put it on when she wanted guests to leave. (laughs) She was an icon and we miss her so much. Defiant to the end. I love her so much. Yeah, so that is the Star Wars holiday special. And not to go out on a low note or anything, but after she sings this song, the special ends on a montage of clips from the first Star Wars movie. Clips Which from a nice. movie that you you obviously have seen if you're watching the Star Wars holiday special. Yes. Um, again, stock footage. Yep. You're just padding the film. Um, however... One of the things that amuses me about this is this was not the last foray into Star Wars themed holiday uh, specials, I guess. Uh, No, it's not. Because in 1980, two years later, we would get Mako's Christmas in the Stars. Yeah. Now, this is another weirdly fascinating piece because it had lyrics by Maury Yeston who a few years later would go on to write the Tony Award-winning shows Nine and Titanic, among many others. The man who wrote A Call from the Vatican wrote and sang a song called What Do You Get a Wookiee for Christmas when he already owns a comb? Did Fall Out Boy write this song? (laughs) Now... This album also launched the career of janitor John Bon Jovi, who sang lead vocals on R2-D2, We Wish You a Merry Christmas. He was working at his cousin's recording studio where this was being recorded, Mm -hmm. sweeping up the floors. (laughs) This is the first Bon Jovi album, I think is what I'm trying to say. We all have to start somewhere. (laughs) It's... I, I prefer Christmas in the Stars to the Star Wars Holiday Special. It's just, it's such a, a weird, fun little experience. Yeah, I, like I have um, Mako's uh, Cantina theme and Yub Nub on 45. Oh, nice. I did, Which I has would... a rap. Really? Yes. A rap? A rap. Oh, my God. I think in Ewok. 
I only understand a couple of the words. One of them is R2-D2. <laughs> it is truly deranged. Wow. So why am I not surprised that that exists? <laughs> like, Should of course be. it does. Why not? Um, that's what Mako did. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a, a remix of the Jaws theme. Um, I, I have his his uh, uh, Close Encounters record. Sweet. It's pretty. It's pretty cool. And I also I also do. I did find like an original pressing of Christmas in the Stars a few years ago. It's in my no collection. way. It's awesome. I love it. <laughs> that's. I'm I'm impressed. Yeah. I'm actually I'm quite impressed by that. <laughs> And of course, not not to be outdone, Disney finally went to the the Christmas the holiday special well uh, just last year with with the release of the truly dreadful uh, Lego Star Wars holiday special. Is it just a Lego like version of this? No, I wish it was. Oh, if it God. was, it might have been entertaining. No, it's just a Lego. It's it's literally a time travel adventure so that they could put prequel characters next to sequel characters, and it's just a mess. Thanks, I hate it. It's 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 dumb Lego jokes, and it's for somebody, but it surely ain't for me. I, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, um, at this point, the Star Wars holiday special is one of the few things I accept as canon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now it's the first three movies, and the Star Wars holiday special. Where do you land? A couple of the books. Where do you land on the Ewok adventures? I've actually never seen them. I'm going to say they're canon, though. I'm I'm okay with this. My Uncle David worked on the sets. Really? True story. Well, then, of course, they're canon. Yes. Um, he has a picture of him with Warwick Davis somewhere. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, my Uncle David's pretty Good for badass. him. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, anything before the, re- the re-release is canon. Afterwards, nothing. Yeah. That's... Nothing is canon. Even some of... I will take some of the books as canon. Um, I will say... That we've truly lost out by not having Mako remix with Tony Daniels while he's still alive. The Virtues of King Han Solo, his Han Solo song from The Courtship of Princess Leia. Oh my God, Libby. (laughs) If you've never read the lyrics, they are as stupid as Light the Sky on Fire. That is a deep cut and I love it. (laughs) I hate that book. That book is my nemesis. I mean, yeah, so what we're, what we're saying is, you know, the Star Wars canon, it goes from, you know, A New Hope, which is a movie called Star Wars and nothing else, goes all the way up to 1996 and includes everything from the Star Wars holiday special to the last Starfighter to the Ewok adventures and everything in between. Yes. And even uh, Heir to the Empire. Yep. And all the books. Yep. The th- Thrawn. And Han Solo has an evil cousin. The Thrawn trilogy, got, yeah. Yeah, he's got three kids. None of them turn evil. Now, Joe, as I recall, um, you and I wrote a Star Wars movie. <laughs> oh, yes, we did. Oh, man. I... Uh, in, our, in our early days of emails, we had pitched what is probably the best Star Wars movie ever made. It, it started. It came out of, of the fact that we both loved... Um, it was a vice principles. It was it vice principles. Out. Yeah. And it was like, well, obviously Walton Goggins has to be in a star Wars somewhere. Someday. At some point we have to get Walton Goggins in a star Wars movie. And he played a mercenary that also turned out to be an ex Jedi. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And 
he ran a gang, which, uh, if I recall, was made up of an alien with a cybernetic eye, played by Michael Chiklis. Uh, another like badass with a cybernetic arm, played by Kenny Johnson, and a space marauder with a sweet mustache, played by David Reese Snell. So a little shattered shield crossover there. Uh, the, he also had an were, apprentice. The, those were all Libby contributions, by the way. Yes, they were. Um, he also had an apprentice played by Janelle Monet. Of course, of course. Yes, and, and he, he was was hunted across the galaxy by a rogue uh, imperial uh, officer, played by Danny McBride. And the only I know that um, uh, I think we had written these emails after the Force Awakens mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because there was a love story between Janelle Monae's character and Ray, uh, but they couldn't be together, so they had a lightsaber fight. And it turned out that Walton Goggins had gone into the Jedi Academy trying to bounce from gambling debts that he stuck Imperial Officer Danny McBride with. Yes. But it turned out he was a super awesome Jedi. So then he and Luke have to have a Jedi fight. And there's shades of like, you were the chosen one. He's like, you were my best uh, Jedi. Walton Goggins is like, no, you're just saying that because we need some Southern Jedis. And it's a big lightsaber fight. And I think the rest of his merry band was supposed to steal some plans for the rebellion. Sure. And at the end, there was a dance party. I remember that. Yeah. And then Ray and uh, Janelle Monet finally get to be together. Yeah, I specifically remember it was a dance party on a beach. Yes. Because, I, because and... at this point, I was still salty about the ending of Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember somewhere in there, Ray Liotta played a bartender. Yes, that was the thing. Yes. <laughs> it's the best Star Wars movie ever. Walton Goggins needs to be in a Star Wars movie. I'm going to hold firm to this. Marvel Comics, uh, get at us. We have an idea for the, your next Star Wars series. Yes, please call me. Uh, <laughs> it was amazing. I still think about it all the time. It's a great idea. It, that is a brilliant idea. An ex-Jedi turned mercenary. And then they made the Han Solo movie, and they kind of just stole all our ideas. And didn't put Walton Goggins in them. And didn't put a single damn one of them in it. You know, they ruined it. That's why that movie was bad and failed, because they didn't put Janelle Monet. Walton Goggins and Danny McBride now. Yeah, no. Damn Woody Harrelson. Ugh, right? And there's not even Ray Liotta. No. Ugh. Shame. God. Shame. Star Wars is so stupid. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars is dumb now and bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> get off my lawn, Star Wars. So, folks, thank you for listening to this ridiculous episode about the Star Wars holiday special. It's, yes. it's part of our regular uh, Christmas rotation now, since we've tried to do this two years in a row. <laughs> Never again. Maybe, I don't think I could do it. Maybe next year we'll do another episode, like a sequel episode. Just, just every year we'll do the Star Wars holiday special. Just over and over mm-hmm. till the end of days. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but what are we doing next time for a New Year's episode? Well, for our New Year's episode, there are only so many New Year's movies out there. But one that I think uh, everybody's going to be a, a fan of, we're, ca- we're talking about Ghostbusters 2. All right. It's going to wow. be great. We got Run DMC. We got uh, Elton John going to be in it. And our old friends Oingo Boingo return. Of course they do. It's the 80s. What are you going to do? Not have Oingo Boingo on your soundtrack? It's it's New Year's Eve, nineteen eighty nine. It's the last possible moment you're allowed to have Oingo Boingo on your soundtrack. <laughs> that you're contractually required to have Oingo Boingo. 
Ghostbusters, Ghostbusters 2 got it in right under the wire. <laughs> so that's going to be a great episode, and I can't wait. Yeah. We're going to have fun with that one. But until then, uh, folks, you can get at us on the internet any way you want. Uh, you can tweet at us at OST Party or email us anything you want at OSTPartyPod at gmail.com. Libby, where can our listeners find you on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Libby Cudmore. You can find me on Instagram at record underscore Saturday. Joe, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Cordial Wombat, or you can uh, find me yelling about Christmas movies all year long at the Christmas Creeps podcast at Christmas Creeps on Twitter. Yeah. So that's, that's going to be a heck of a time, everybody. So happy holidays to uh, to happy life day. One and all happy life day. Uh, We hope everybody has a fun holiday season and we will see you bright and early for new years very soon. So for the OST party, I'm Joseph Wade. And I'm Libby Cudmore. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. How about that nutty Star Wars bar? Can you forget all the creatures in there? And hey, Darth Vader in that black and evil mask. Did he scare you as much as he scared me? Ah, Star Wars goes near and far war. My seventh winner up here, Star This holiday is yours, but we all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear, we're all the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage, and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the Tree of Life.